Hey everyone, and thanks for tuning in to this week's message. My name's Aaron, and I'm on the staff team here at Eastlake. Everything we do around here depends on the generous donations of our local and online community. People just like you, who tune into these messages and see great benefit from living that idea that life is a gift and love is the point. So if you love what Eastlake is up to, we'd encourage you to contribute by going to eastlakecc.com. With that, let's jump into this week's message. Today, we hear from Jason Lewis as he begins our new series, Getting Closer. Please check the description for links to our quarterly Spotify playlist and guided meditation. Well, hey everyone, and welcome to Eastlake. I'm really excited to be with you this weekend. Um, we are kicking off a brand new series called Getting Close, uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a series on relationships, um, what makes them healthy, how do we keep them healthy, and, uh, and, and all the relationships we have, whether that's friendships or you know, family or intimate partners or you know, our children. Relationships are kind of what comprise life, and I, uh, I'm really excited to be kicking it off. I think they wanted me to go first because I probably have the least level of expertise about relationships, but uh, I'm really excited today also too because um, for me personally, like that's what gives my life great meaning. I think that's that way for most people. Um, and I'm also very interested. I always want to be the best possible um, partner in any relationship, as a friend, as a family member, as a father, and as a as a uh, an intimate partner. All of these things matter a great deal to me, and so I'm really excited. I hope you guys continue to follow along with us week after week. Um, there's so much good content and so many amazing speakers that are going to be a part of this that there really is. I think for each of us, our own unique experience of our relationships in our life. I think that in this series, there's going to be something in here. Uh, for each of us that really just is useful and helpful and helps kind of um, rejuvenate and encourage and spur us on toward our healthy and best relationships um, that we can have. So today I'm talking about humility, which is perfect for me because my level of expertise, as I said before, is limited. I've only been alive 35 years. Um, I only know so many kinds of relationships. Um, and I'm also someone who like, I think is someone who holds on to the relationships that he has and cares about them very deeply. Um, and so I don't have like a lot of transition or dynamics in my relationships. And so, um, this is kind of my take on at least understanding and how to see the importance of humility in relationships, why it's foundational. And I think we can argue that this to me at least is a very good place to start. If we're going to look at relationships and we're going to go into this next, you know, few weeks analyzing them, humility is a really good place to start. And and I know that there's a lot of different definitions on humility. And so before we get into it, I want to like at least acknowledge that like we all kind of have a different take on what humility is. And I think some of us, you know, we might think of humility as kind of like meekness or a lack of self-importance or, you know, and these things are, they're accurate. They're good definitions. Um... But I think in relationships, it's a little more nuanced. And like maybe you've heard that like really famous quote. <laughs> it's like, humility isn't thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, right? It's really clever, um, cleverly worded. But I don't know that I always agree that just because you think about yourself less, it means that you're suddenly this very humble, present person. I think I tend to align humility more with concepts like integrity and honor and like authenticity. 
Um, and the big reason being that for most of us, what humility is, at least in my perspective is, is just accurate self-awareness. The reasonable perception of one's self, right? And I think the reason this is so vital is because if you're bringing anything else to a relationship, then you're not really bringing yourself, right? And that what humility does is it enables us. It is the process by which we grow to greater self-awareness in the fullness of who we are, both that which is beneficial and that which is harmful. And so if we can have that perspective and we can have that awareness of those things within ourselves, boy, how much more likely are we to be able to not only continue to grow as an individual, but also in light of a relationship, right? As two things which never cease to evolve, that being who we are, who we wake up today as, and who we wake up to tomorrow as, are actually a little bit different. And even more so over greater periods of time and years and transitions and life changes, we become something different than we were before. And hopefully what that thing is, is a more integrated, authentic, honorable, and humble self. A true representation of, of what we know inside here and in our hearts, that it, that it manifests outside and it manifests in our relationships in healthy ways. Um, and so... I remember um, being a kid and I remember humility kind of being touted, you know, by my parents as like, you know, be humble, be humble. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I can't say that, that I was like a very, you know, arrogant kid or, or even a very humble kid. I think I just was like most kids, like you're just trying to find your place in the world. And at certain times, you know, that rears its head. But I, I do recall one thing where I really struggled with humility was was uh, I always could dance. Like I was, uh, I, bo I was born in such a way that I just kind of had rhythm, I always did. I danced, I accelerated really fast. I traveled through Europe dancing. I did tap and ballet and jazz and hip hop and break dancing and all kinds of things. And it, it, uh, it was a ton of fun and I loved it. But I remember being a younger kid, like 14, 15, and we'd like go to the school dances, right? And then everyone would know that I could dance a little bit like my homies and they'd be like, you gotta hit, gotta get in the circle and like bust some moves. <laughs> And I look back at now and it's just, it's a nightmare. It makes my skin crawl. But I remember having the sensation that so much of my value flowed out of what I could do. And so it wasn't that I would show up to a place and be like, hey, yeah, I'd love to dance. I'm like, let's do it and be authentic. It was more so that I showed up and I'd, I'd kind of be like, nah, I can't do it. And then once I got enough energy, enough people asking me, and I felt like I could really take a big bite out of that energy and kind of jam it into myself to give me a sense of pride and and uh, self-importance, well then, you know, of course I'd go and do it. Um, and I can't say that as I've gotten older, like that's gone away. <laughs> I'm not waiting for people to beg me to dance, but I will say that one of the things that does still exist is that the insecurities, the flaws, the parts of myself that are less lovely, um, those parts I really would love to ignore. I'd love to not acknowledge. I'd love to not have to address. And that what I'd really love is for everyone to celebrate that which is good about me. And, uh, and I think we all might at times feel that, especially when we go through hard transitions, especially when we maybe don't feel so good about ourselves. We may crave, desire, or want someone to affirm what is useful, what is beneficial, what is good about us. Um, and if we're not careful, I think that that actually in turn can be a source of pride. We can over-focus on that which is good and become so deluded by that which we do well that we don't have any self-awareness to acknowledge what's problematic and needs fixing so that every relationship can be healthy. And now when we talk about relationships, we have so many different kinds, right? I'm a father, right, to two 
young boys, um, and I, uh, I have a partner, right? So I have that primary relationship. I am a brother to two younger sisters, right? And a half brother, so I got siblings, right? And then I'm a son, so I have parents and family and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles. And then I work with a bunch of people, right? And then I have friends, right? It's just, it's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of different kinds of relationships. And the main reason to discuss humility too is to acknowledge that, man, in all of these spaces, a different me is there right? The, the role is different. The expectations are different. How I have to show up and what I'm ultimately bringing is very different. And so if I'm not aware, again, if I'm not humble about what I bring well, what I don't bring as well to these spaces, then the opportunity for those relationships to flourish, to be their best versions, um, to succeed, to continue in, in true intimacy and success, it just, it lessens over time. Um, like give you an example, like you know, if we look at say the the uh, relationship of family, right? I have a grandpa Bob, and I like I absolutely love him, and he's my stepfather's dad, and he's staggeringly brilliant. Was like a Harvard professor, uh, just a ridiculous IQ. You could never ask the guy a question, and he like wouldn't know the answer, right? The problem became that over time, it was the one thing about himself he kind of held on to. Um, he saw himself in his, in his role and in the family as being the one who knows, right? And in lots of ways, he really did. That really is a sincere strength of his. But he began to draw so much value and so much personal pride from that singular thing that in the other areas where he really struggled, he didn't ever give much attention. He didn't heal, he didn't correct, and he didn't apologize for the pain that was caused by those other parts of himself. The way my grandpa grew up, he was 94 years old. He never really had a very fair or lovely opinion of women. And so when my mom met him, he, we can blame it again on his age, but it was also a choice. And he, he was very unkind to her and very judgmental and very dismissive of her perspective. And even unto me, I was a 12-year-old kid, 13-year-old kid, talking to a guy who was in his early 80s and was smarter than almost anyone I knew. And I, I had a lot of theories as a kid. I had a lot of ideas. And I remember I walked, I walked into the room and I kind of spat off one of my theories about the way the world worked at 13. And I mean, of course, it was probably nonsense. I was just a kid. But I remember him looking me in the face and saying, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And it just crushed me. And it just gutted me. And the truth was is, is I don't know what he was trying to inform me of there. I, I still don't. But over time, I just realized that he didn't really have the ability to acknowledge something, which is, is that he was insecure in lots of ways. He was insecure and he was not actually able to really process some of the stuff that was going on inside him, to really have an accurate view of self, humbly acknowledge what he wasn't good at and work at it. So then what he did was he tripled down on the stuff he was good at and then he showed up and basically walked around for parts of his life as kind of a human dictionary, like a, a human encyclopedia who knew a lot of facts. But when you really wanted to connect to the guy, you couldn't really get to him. And I never forget on my wedding day, uh, I talked to him and I just said, it's really good to see you. I love you. And I hope I get to see you soon. And he said to me, oh, if I'm still alive. And I remember I looked at him and I just was like, don't do that shit. Okay, like, I love you. It's really good to see you. I really do hope I'll see you again. Like, just let that one in there, okay? It's okay. Like, you don't have to know it all, and that's not the reason I really like you. So, like, 
Let's just connect in an authentic way. And he gave me a hug, but I remember that like, it was just incredibly challenging. And so I always use that as a reminder, at least to myself, that one of the big things is, is that it is actually and oddly the integration and the addition of the parts we aren't good at. It's the space we make for other people and their parts that they're not good at, that are reflections of our humility, not only unto, unto ourselves, but unto the people we're in relationship. I think just to comment on like even the idea of having you know, humility towards oneself or just able to acknowledge that in ourselves, which is really challenging and how that impacts our relationships as we show up. I remember Mike Tyson saying this and it always stuck in my head. This idea that like someone was asking him why he doesn't fight anymore. They were like, why don't you box anymore? Like you're kind of God's gift to fighting. Like why did you stop? And he was like, it's really simple. I boxed for a lot of years and I drew a great immense, of, like a, a, an immense amount of value and self-imagery came from my ability to fight. But the problem is, is it didn't necessarily like bear out any lovely fruit. And so I quit and my life changed and it got better. And I noticed now that when I go back into the gym and I train and I work out and I start getting strong and I start hitting hard again and all these things, I watch how my self-perception changes from being an accurate viewed person, which is that I'm kind of sensitive. I'm very interested in being kind and warm to people. I want to be a gentle person. I want to be a sweet and warm person to my kids, to my partner, to my friends. All of a sudden, it just kind of shifts into, I'm the baddest dude there ever was. Say one thing I don't like, and I'll show you how bad I am. And that is the same thing I had before, and so I just don't fight. And that kind of humility, I remember when I heard it, that ability to just see in ourselves, like sometimes even that which we're good at, if we don't hold it in the right way, isn't a benefit to us. And when we talk about relationships, a lot of us have dynamics, have roles we've played, things we've done, and they are no longer beneficial to the relationship. They're no longer beneficial to us, and yet we carry them around with us because they give us a sense of value when we can't find it other places or when we have a hard time accepting and humbly acknowledging who we really are. I've got one, a couple more stories that I want us to think about too just as we look through humility and relationships. I was realizing that um, when we talk about um, being a father or being a parent, right, one of the things that is I've seen quite a bit lately as sports season's kind of kicking off and the world's coming back to normal and quarantine's starting to end, right, you're starting to see people start to play sports. And this is the year that my son Huck is old enough to play organized sports. And I, I forgot that like when you go to sports games, there are those parents who are so driven to have their child succeed that when their child doesn't, they're so hard on them. It, it's very, very difficult to watch. And I realize that part of that is, is that you have this relationship, right? And you're the parent and they're the child. You know a lot, they know little. You're strong and they're weak. You're big and they're small, blah, 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 right? And there's a lot of power dynamics in that relationship. And to keep that healthy, it, it seems to me that there's some sort of balance between being the leader, the guider, the person who does know and is bigger and is stronger, and then that person who encourages the development, curiosity, authenticity, integrity, and exploration of that younger being. And the challenging part is, is that what exploration and venturing and trying looks like is oftentimes for all of us a lot of failure. But watching parents and watching 
individuals struggle to make space for their kids reminds you that what you're really doing is drawing a sense of pride from your child's accomplishments. But the odd thing in that is you're not any more responsible for whether or not, you know, Huck, for example, I'm not responsible for whether or not he scores a goal or drops 20 points or does the best art painting ever or is the smartest, most articulate kid any more than I would be if he reached a level of fame in all those things and accolades, it still wouldn't be me. It's what he is and what, and what he can do and what he's bringing, what he finds compelling and interesting. What's his best effort? And that these are instead, instead of opportunities to come down on them for not performing well, they're opportunities to help them humbly accept how they performed, who they were. That today maybe wasn't the best day, but that's kind of not the most important thing. The most important thing is you tried. And I can just say to speak humbly about myself, I struggle with this. When Huck, when Huck was starting to just go to preschool and he was starting to learn letters and he was starting to learn all these things, his natural difficulty around language was very challenging for me at first because it's something that I haven't struggled with as much as he has. And it made me nervous for him, but more than anything, it made me insecure based upon this expectation that I had that it should go a certain way. And that I took pride in that, that this would be how it went, and then it didn't. And then I had to humbly acknowledge it, like, man, you've placed such an unfair expectation, such a demand on this person, all it could ever do is undercut the preciousness, the beauty, and the love, and the real relationship that is capable of existing between you and your son. And I remember going to a counselor and being like, I need to detach my sense of value and, and my sense of of the, the value of this person or how I, however I'm drawing meaning from this, it's not useful. It doesn't support Huck. It doesn't enable us to connect. And if anything, it makes him fearful that he'd walk on eggshells because he's not doing it all right, like I said. He's not, he's not doing what my expectation is. And it's just actually beating him up. And it's hard to say that because it makes me feel really yucky as a father because it's the thing, it's the job I care the most about. It's the relationship that seems the most paramount to me. And to know that there's ways that I've showed up that haven't supported who he is as his real self really came from the fact, again, that I was not. I did not have a reasonable perspective on who I was. I did not have a humble awareness of who and what I am, what's in my way, what my flaws are, and what I'm bringing to the situation. And the person who paid the cost for that's Huck and the relationship, right? And so it took a lot of time and a lot of effort and, and in those meetings because I, I just had to face a lot of ugly things. But man, after I did, I was just really able to take joy in him, to, to be able to take joy in what he can do and what he is able to do and celebrate wins and also help him to see himself humbly now. I just think it's so important that we all get to that place where we are able to acknowledge what's really there, what's really going on, and what's really moving us in that parenting and childhood dynamic. And I know that for Huck, even this last week, he got a skateboard, he could not, for the life of him, remember what it was called. He called it a roller coaster about a dozen times over a full day. And it drove me insane. And I remember sitting there talking to my stepdad, who's a pediatric neurologist, and he goes, it's super normal. And I was like, what do you mean? He, can't he, he asked for it. He wanted it. We got it. We wrote it. He can't remember the name of it. And I'm like, he goes, you need to chill for a second and just... Let him be five. Does he know what it is? Could he point to it? Could he try it? It's like, okay, so word association, he's having a little bit of a delayed response, but he'll get it. I don't know why it matters to you so much. And then I was like, oh boy, here we are again. Back square one, having to analyze 
and pay attention to the stuff that was in my way, that's in myself, where I'm not humble, where I'm like, no, because it means something to me, because it, it reflects upon me, because it's part of my, my prideful image of myself of my, as a father. And that kind of ugliness is hard to see, but I really would like to be humble, right? Humble as an aspiration, I would like to be that. I'd like to be able to love and celebrate and acknowledge all of who he is in, in whatever space we're in. Hey everyone, it's Kristen. Just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in. I hope that you're finding these messages helpful for you in your everyday life. Um, that's what we're trying to do here is gather around the idea that life is a gift and love is the point and let's give ourselves ways to move forward in that in our own everyday world. Um, so I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for being a part of this community. To those of you who have participated and given financially, we wanna say thank you to you. Everything that we do here happens because people make contributions. People say, I value this place. I want it to exist for me and for other people. And so I'm going to support it. And so we just want to say how grateful we are um, that you do that. And for those of you who maybe haven't had a chance to contribute yet, um, we would ask you to consider maybe doing so. If you find this place beneficial, if you find these messages helpful for you, then um, consider joining us in that way. You can go to eastlakecc.com to make a contribution. Um, and we just always are thankful for the people who want this place to exist. So thanks again for tuning in. Let's get back to the message. And then another space I think we're all in, right? Where humility is very valuable. Comes down to like who we work with and how we work with people, right? Um, I work as a firefighter. And so my, my environment's really dynamic, right? We're going on fire calls, we're going on car accidents, we're going on cardiac arrests, we're going on sick and ill people, injured people, um, people that have severe mental, emotional addictions, all kinds of things. It's a very challenging space to work in. But the one thing that's incredibly clear, and I always am very grateful for my job in this way, is if you ever wanted to be humbled, <laughs> this job will do it for you. Because you think you've seen it all. You think you know how it's going to go. And it's so often at that moment that you really realize, boy, you have so much more to learn. And those spaces are so important for us to keep. I don't know about you, but like I will walk the streets sometimes. And I don't know, you just look good that day, right? Your clothes fit right. You've been working out regularly, eating good. You're feeling good. Your relationships are good. You're making money. And you're not like struggling to pay bills and and you know and things just kind of feel very balanced in life um you know just a good day and then as you're walking out of some place with a coffee your toe just like catches a curb you bust your ass scrape your knees spill your shit everywhere in front of like 30 people and like i've done that two different times in my life and every time i go through that i always think that's the universe's lovely way of trying to inform me like hey you're just like the rest of them like you there's no one like you for sure, but you're not special. And like, you have to see yourself that way so that when things like this happen, you can laugh. You can remember that, oh, that's right, that's right. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot more things you're gonna bumble on still. You got a long road ahead of you, you know? And, uh, and I think in my job, I see that all the time. There's places where I go and I'm like, oh, I've got this, I've done this before, I've connected this hose, or I've treated this kind of patient, or I've done whatever, and but especially in the relationships in fire where I am in an environment where people are incredibly diverse. They have just, is the widest range of political views, 
ethnicities, religious traditions, cultures, ages, experiences. It's literally, it's amazing. I love that about it because there is a ton to learn. But the other reality is, is that it also intimately puts me in a place, and I think we all have this in workspaces, where sometimes the environments are competitive, sometimes environments are challenging, sometimes the power dynamics in your working relationship prevent certain kinds of of closeness and authenticity and how do you how do you show up humbly how do you show up as yourself and in integrity in a space where it's very challenging because it may not be that kind of space um and my only thing that i can contribute to this is is that in my perspective is, is that you do what you can where you can you show up in a way that's authentic and you and humble and honorable but boundaries are important and recognizing those boundaries and realizing that holding a boundary around oneself and in the relationship isn't about not being humble. Even if you're stalwart about it, even if you're unmoving or unyielding about it, it's not about pride. It's about saying, like, hey, these are the dynamics of the relationship. This is what's fruitful and beneficial. This is where we can really connect. And this is where it's not okay to connect. This is where we have to be aware not every relationship is the same. Not every relationship functions the same. And we're not looking for homogeny, right? We're looking for quality. We don't, every, we don't want everything to be the same. We just want, what is this relationship? How can I show up to this authentically and humbly and be a participant in it? How can I keep it healthy? And, and I think work is an area where boundaries um, are important. I think all, all relationships is important, but especially in work because sometimes environments breed the concepts of friendship, but they aren't. Or sometimes... It, it, it is a family business and things get intermixed, right? And things get enmeshed. So the managing the boundaries is incredibly important. And then the last relationship, because we've talked about that, is primary relationship, right? And this, I think, and I, or what you would call intimate, I would call an intimate relationship, right? And this is much like parenting, probably among the most vital to my life and the most important to me um, and the area where I do the most growing, I think the way that I grow as a father, the way that I grow as a partner, leaks out and has its biggest legs and, and stretch in all my other kinds of relationships. Um, to humbly acknowledge it, like, I've been married before. That marriage, I don't want to say it was unsuccessful because me and the person still get on greatly. I still love them and think they're a tremendously uh, remarkable person. They're also an amazing co-parent. Um, but that relationship for us, I'll say that, did not go the distance, did not continue to be healthy and did not continue to be able to grow. Um, the pain in that is that now looking back, and this is where I think me speaking on humility, this is really the simple truth. Back then, I knew very little of myself as to what I know now. And I'm sure in the next 10 years, I'll think the same thing as I think at this moment. But the biggest thing I lacked was the ability to really show up in that partnership and in that relationship as my real self. That I had needs and I didn't communicate them because I lacked the courage and the humility to communicate them. I had pride in the idea that I could do everything myself. I believed that I could make and sustain the full of my life and in the relationship on my own steam. And by doing so, I removed this person's opportunities to care for me, to show up for me, to be a participant and a co-creator with me. And so what I did was I took the reins and said, I'm gonna drive the ship and you're just a passenger here. Well, that fractures something that grows, that's collaborative, 
that's reciprocal, that requires energy from two separate places coming together, committing to show up on one another's behalf, and yet holding the boundary around who one is, what they need in order to be okay. I, I will say, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of this woman named Esther Perel. She's brilliant. She wrote a book called Mating in Captivity. I couldn't recommend it more, more. But, uh, but the idea that she kind of talks about there is just this idea that relationships in the modern era bear and hold more weight than they have ever hold, held in human history. That's beyond, that, that so often our identity even flows out of our relationships. And, and we can, if we're not careful, we can fall into the trap of going, who and what I am, my value and my sense of worth and my sense of wellness comes exclusively from my relationship. And that is a lot. I don't know if you've ever been a human before, but it's pretty hard to be expected to save someone or to make something perfect when you yourself aren't. Right? No one is created for another person to sustain every need, every desire, every want. And in relationships, now that we don't have tribes, we don't have the community the way we historically did and where so much of our value came from, where so much of our, our sense of, of growth and strength and support came from a communal sense and not a single person, which structurally, it makes more sense. Um, but now, as our relationships tend to bear, just anthropologically, they just tend to bear more than they ever have. We have to be aware that what we're putting on another person, the role we're giving them, is one that they can meet. That we're actually operating in humility around what we need from a relationship, what we expect of the other person, and to have a dialogue about it, a humble one, where both people show up and go like, okay, at bottom, like, why? Why do you have that need? And it's like, uh, because I'm insecure. Because you might be a person who needs someone to affirm you verbally. Because you have an issue around self-confidence and you have a need for your partner to at least see you and at least say, hey, good morning. It's good to see your face. I really like the way you look. Or you might be a person who really needs quality time or needs someone to actually give them their own time and you need some autonomy and a little bit of space. And it's this awareness again, this this coming to the awareness of self, the authenticity, and the ability to see what's really down there. In that, I would call the inner work of, of going, who am I? What do I need? How can I thrive? Because if you get to show up in a relationship with your needs, with your needs at least communicated, there's a genuine dialogue between your, uh, you and the other person, and that reciprocal humility of really showing up together and committing to that I could only see as being one of the most fruitful dynamics in a relationship. And when I really think about the marriages and the relationships and the commitments that really blow my mind, it tends to be those relationships that function that way. They have a way of hearing, seeing, and valuing the other person, even and in spite of the flaws. And that they help one another to see each other accurately so that they get the chance to show up, to be themselves, to be loved as themselves, and, and, and that's another really big thing, right? That awareness that if we don't actually give them who we are, if we don't authentically show up, even as we evolve, even if it might stir the pot in the short term, that ability to show up as ourself only increases the likelihood that we're gonna have a very, very fruitful relationship. Because growth is the key, right? And I would argue that growth, out of that flows the happiness, the contentment, the sense of beauty in a relationship as we make space for one another to love one another in their authenticity and in a humble way that isn't so self-important that demands a person stay the same thing or demands a thing remain forever this way, but instead gently requests that as things change, 
that you and I, we connect, we talk. When we have kids, there's going to be changes. As we age, there will be changes. As careers shift, as we move, as our interests and our friends, there's so many things working on that relationship and then working on you as an individual that if we can't find the space to go, how can I humbly show up to love and support this person, where they're headed, what they're doing? Can we communicate our needs? Can we show up in a way where I can humbly say, I, I need this or hey, I'm, I'm not very good at this right now and, and I'm going to work on it. And, and that brings me to the final piece. If we're looking at all these relationships, whether that's coworkers, family, friends, parenting, intimate relationships, even the, the relationship with ourself, right? We have a ton of things we have to account for. It's a lot. And committing to that work has to be a lifetime process. Committing to your relationships, being healthy and strong, it has to be a long work. And it will probably be a slow work. But if we can do that, if we can humbly begin this work, I mean, I tend to think that the way it works is a little bit like a snowball. It's exponential in its growth. And, and that as we kind of get things clicking and moving, we find that the gains we make in our, our working relationships improves our friendships. And as our friendships improve, so too do our intimate relationships. And as those improve, so too do, right? It, it's all kind of working together as we learn how to be ourselves in all these different relationships and all these spaces, as we learn how to humbly participate as a contributor to that relationship, I think we can expect to see tremendous growth. And so before I get out of here, I just want to say the main reason why I can't necessarily give you anything prescriptive as to here's how to be more humble in a relationship is because the areas are so different. I don't know what you need to work on. For me, I'm a chatterbox. I tend to think that everything I say is special. It's not, but it's part of my flaws. It's the humble awareness of who I am. And so when I get to that space, I know that my work is really not much more complex than being more quiet, doing a lot more listening than talking, and making sure that I'm listening in such a way as to not try to respond, but to let what is said work on me. And I work at that all the time. And that has dramatically improved communication in my relationship. And it's hard to say that because it makes me sound like a really arrogant person to think that way. But in truth, if that is who I am, then the humble acknowledging of who I am draws me closer to living in line with humility than simply trying to deny it and fight against it. And so the only thing I can give you that's prescriptive, because I don't know what your battle is, I don't know in each of these relationships what you're uniquely facing, but I do think this is a super helpful exercise. Okay, so try this. Write down... In, and you can pick it just two to three, maybe four of the relationships that function the best in your life. Maybe it's a friend, maybe like you have like, you know, your partner, maybe like a family member you really connect with well, um, a, a guy that you work with that you just tend, everything tends to work really good and you guys collaborate really awesome, you know. And then I want you to think about the last conflicts you got in in other relationships. And then I want you to think about, write those down, and then the part you have to do. This is the tricky part is humbly walk into those experiences acknowledging what you're bringing that's either making that thrive or making that fall apart. And, and if you can do that, then the nice thing is, is you grow into the greater self-awareness and the humble awareness of what you're really good at and what if you likely bring to your other relationships will basically help them to grow and help you to draw more satisfaction, help the other party in it to feel more connected. And secondarily, as you look at that where you've had conflict, 
and you begin to watch yourself go back to those conflicts, what were you feeling? What were you thinking? What did you do in action, in word or deed that brought harm, that caused disconnection, that, that started to impinge the quality of that friendship and the flow of that reciprocal energy? Because if you can do that, then you now know what you're bringing that stinks. <laughs> and so you have two things. You have two weapons now. You know what you should try to bring because it tends to help things grow and thrive. And you now know what you need to work on because it tends to kill that momentum which you've started to build. And so I hope that as you go about this process in this week and you look out at your relationships, I know that the coming speakers are going to drill down on all these finer points that are hard relationships, that are, that are challenges, that are things we all need to work on and grow in. But I think whatever that is, if we're not going to humbly show up to participate, to when someone says something about trust or says someone says something about you know, honesty or communication or blah, blah, if we can't hear it, if we're not going to be humble enough to acknowledge like, ooh, that's a message for me. That's one that I'm not that good at, right? Or, you know what? I actually do this part well, but I could always do it better because the goal is quality and health in our relationships. And I think the people in our life who we so deeply love, I feel like they're worthy of that. I feel like they're worthy of our longest reach and our hardest work and, and, our, and our most devoted efforts to making sure that we show up for the people we love, the relationships that give our life great meaning. I think they're worthy of every single thing we have to give. And while it can be exhausting, remember, you're not alone. Everybody's here. Everyone's at this work. And that this community at Eastlake, we so deeply care about the people who participate with us, but everyone in general. And we want everybody to thrive. So if you need someone, you reach out, you connect, and let's actually make this something where when we leave this full series, we could all say that we've grown a bit, that we've done something wiser, that we've been a bit more humble, that we've shown up in a bit more integrity and honor in all of our relationships so that they may be the best and healthiest and most beautiful ones that we can have. I think that sounds good. So anyways, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to me. So stoked. Week one, getting closer. Thank you for participating. I can't wait to check in with you guys as things go on down the road. And as always, be kind, be well, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Thank you for joining us. To make a donation, head to eastlakecc.com slash donate.